The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred and Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. Breaking away from the cold gloominess of Northwest Ohio to come to a warmer climate and to see some good friends, of course. Miami has so much appeal. A great place to get a seafood meal. Miami. Miami, Miami, you've got style. Blue sky, sunshine, white sand by the mile. When you live in this town, each day is sublime. The coldest of of all Andy Alfred coming to you live from Radio Row on beautiful, the beautiful beaches of Miami, Florida, of course, getting ready for Super Bowl 54 live in Miami, Florida at the Hard Rock Stadium in Florida, Miami, Florida, home of the Miami Dolphins, it is truly a pleasure to be with you tonight, right here on All Andy Alford, as we're doing two days worth of shows right down here on Radio Row. Of course, Nick the Money Man DeVera running the um, running around, getting some information for us uh, for our program tomorrow night. We'll have him here live 
We'll have Andy and Money, a special edition of Andy and Money, as we will be live from Miami right here for, for Super Bowl 54 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. A lot to get into, of course, tonight right here on All Andy Offered. Of course, we're going to talk about the Jackets. The Jackets are on a long, long break. We'll get into that. Also, we'll talk a little bit about Super Bowl 54. You'll also hear my possibly prediction for this Super Bowl. Then we'll talk a little bit about the key things to look forward to in the Super Bowl. Also, Bowling Green basketball, BGSU continuing their ways. Six straight wins against a big win against the University of Toledo. We'll talk about that as well as we will also dive into around the ECHL and the walleye and so much more. So welcome into the program. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. So welcome in. Of course, you are listening to us live. Of course, we're on Radio Row. Of course, you can hear in the background, of course, the people chatting it up. Here, a lot of media members I met, I uh, went over to the Sirius XM booth. I've gone over, I've seen the Dan Patrick show set as well. It's beautiful. Um, Dan Levitar is here, of course. We'll talk to Nick about that. Um, uh, big media surrounding for this one. Every piece of media is here, whether it be Yahoo Sports, whether it be TMZ, Barstool Sports. Every media outlet is here, and we have the pleasure uh, being with you here in Miami, Florida, of course, getting you set for Super Bowl 54. But of course, it all comes to a head before we begin for what happened this past Sunday night and it is Sunday afternoon. And it is still a hot button issue and a hot talk that is happening right now in the sports world. As you are all aware, Sunday afternoon, approximately 1, 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, around 9 a.m. Out, um, out on the West Coast, uh, a helicopter crash took place in the hills near in Calabasas as it was a devastating helicopter crash. Eight people involved in the crash, of course, and the big one, of course, a couple of a few uh, sports figures, but the big one, of course, was the late, great Kobe Bryant, the 41-year-old star player for the L.A. Lakers, and his daughter were on their way to a basketball practice, and unfortunately, the helicopter went down, crashing into a canyon in the hills of L.A., it was truly a sad moment in for the sporting community and the sports world. It still is to this day. I will say this. I will share my Kobe story later today on the Andy Rants. And, um, you know, this is a big blow to the, to the sports community. Everybody is affected by this. Not only the NBA, but the NHL. The, here at Super Bowl 54, it was the top story that's been talked about between all the players, all the media members as well. Um, absolutely shocking and absolutely rocking the community, sports community here in 
Super Bowl 54 and the community here in Super Bowl 54. Um, you know, you, you, you think about legends, and Kobe Bryant's one of them. For me, Kobe is one of those superstars that people like myself will be talking about to, our ne- to the next generation and the next generation. This this man was a great player, an absolute fantastic player, and he left it all on the court. He was our version, our generation's version of Michael Jordan. He was on the court with, of course, uh, his whole entire career with the L.A. Lakers, drafted by the the Charlotte by the Charlotte Hornets, was immediately traded to the L.A. Lakers. And, of course, it is just sad to see this, this, this take place. Uh, I, I was talking to Nick off, cam- off, off our show tonight, uh, off our program here, as he's getting our information ready for, for tomorrow night's program. We're talking about sports figures, big sports figures that have passed in front of us. In our generation, of course, I talk about this is this is probably one of the biggest ones. Ali dying, of course, was a big blow to the sports community, including the times when you know. But we all knew that Ali was passing because of his because of his illness. Uh, but of course, one of them that brings up to my mind is uh, Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Sr. passing away on the track at Turn Four in Daytona. That was a big moment. In the sports world, to see actually a guy die in his sport, um, we have seen players that have died in the past that have really affected uh, sports. Of course, Bob Feller here locally in Ohio, and a few other big name players. But this one was an unexpected happening. A guy who is absolutely passionate about sport, sports, of the game of basketball. A man who is absolutely, you know, absolutely one of those guys that just, you know, you'll talk about for generations and generations to come. And um, my one Kobe story I'll, I'll share is this. I got a chance to watch him play against the Cavaliers a few years ago. I went with my friend Danny Facer, and we went to see the Cavs play the Lakers. This was a year after... LeBron left, and we got seats up in the upper level, and uh, they were playing the Lakers, and he was having a good time. He's a big Laker fan. I know this is hurting him more than anything else, and for me, I had to console him and talk to him about what's happening. Um, You figure that he would be one of those people that you would expect that would die, one of those people that you knew for a fact that, you know, could live forever. And uh, he will live forever in the stories and in the history and in all the dreams and all of the the passion that he had with the game. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal got a chance to watch the TNT special last week, last night. Uh, I like Reggie Miller saying we're celebrate we should celebrate his life, and I totally agree with him on that. Absolutely, totally agree with him on that. We should be celebrating 
Kobe's life and celebrating his passion in the game and the, and the sport that he loved. And especially for his daughter. You know, it hurts to see Kobe's, you know, Vanessa dealing with all this. And it's hard. It is a hard thing to happen. You know, but, you know, we, we, we grieve, we, but we will remember, most importantly, we will remember the legacy that this man, number 8 and number 24, left on the court in his passion for life and his love and appreciation for his daughters and his entire, entire family. Our condolences to the Bryant family, to the Laker nation, and to basketball fans across the country. Our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. We are totally, totally with you. We support you. And we absolutely love you, Kobe. Kobe Bryant. Dead at the age of 41. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight, live from Miami, Florida, right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the podcast tonight. As we will now dive into the rest of the show from Radio Row right here in Miami, Florida. Hi folks, Andy Elford coming to you from Miami, Florida, the host of All Andy Elford. I want to talk to you today about my friends at the Libby Factory Outlet in downtown Toledo, in the warehouse district in downtown Toledo. Libby Glass, a worldwide company, has been setting tables right, just like mine, for more than 100 years. Whether you need all your supplies for the Super Bowl, whether it be football tumblers, beer glasses, salsa chip and dip combos, as well as the dip mixes themselves, the Libby Factory Outlet store in the warehouse district is the place to be. Visit them Open seven days a week at 205 South Erie Street in the heart of the Warehouse District in downtown Toledo. If you can't make it downtown or you're from far away, take a piece of Toledo home with you by visiting their website at retail.libby.com. Libby Factory Outlet, setting your table right for more than 100 years. As we are back here in Miami, Florida on Radio Row for another edition of of all Andy Alford coming to you in beautiful Miami. They got a nice little setup here. A lot of people around. Of course, you can hear it in the background. A lot of people doing shows and talking and doing interviews. Of course, we um, we were a little late to the party. I will admit that. We're a little late to the party. We got our credentials late. But, of course, we're here. Nick the Money Man DeVera going to be joining us tomorrow for a special edition of Andy Money. We'll hear our predictions for the Super Bowl, we'll go fully in depth with the game. We'll also talk a little bit about a few other things as well. But 
This is all Andy Alford tonight. We're going to dive into BGSU basketball first and foremost. And let me tell you something, folks. This team is real. Michael Huger's got his club up for this season. I got to give credit to him. I absolutely got to give credit to him. It was a dogfight back and forth this past Saturday night. As it was, the Battle of I-75 on the hard court. As BGSU traveled up to Savage Arena to take on Todd Kowalczyk and the Midnight Blue and Gold Toledo Rockets. This game was a toss. This was a toss-up to a lot of people. And, of course, yours truly, I had a feeling this was going to go towards BG's way because Toledo's been, been tailing as of late. But I figured since this is a rivalry game, it would Toledo would step up to the plate, and they did. It was a good, strong game for them. At the break, BGSU was up 37-33 to in the game, and then BG turned on the heat, finding their way beyond the arc. Now, I've always said it to this. You live by the three, you die by the three. And that is what Bowling Green, what Toledo, excuse me, what Toledo was facing most of the game. They were taking the shots beyond the arc, and they were not capitalizing on those opportunities. And the fact is, BG was just was strong, absolutely strong in this game. They get the win, their first win against Toledo since 2011. That's before. That's before the remodelization of Savage Arena. With an 85-79 win. Great game. Looking at the team stats overall before we go into the individual stats. In the field goal margin, Bowling Green was 28 for 59 from field goal range. Toledo 25 for 61. That's 47.5% to 41%. In three marks, three-point land. BG 11 for 21. Toledo 10 for 28. That's a 52% to 35%. BG had two steals. Toledo had two steals. On the blocking side of things, three blocks for Toledo, one block for Bowling Green. Uh, 14 assists for Bowling Green, 13 for Toledo in the game. Bowling Green out-rebounded Toledo in the game, 40-32. 30 defensive rebounds and 10 offensive rebounds. Toledo's 26 defensive rebounds. Six offensive. Bowling Green's largest lead was 10 at one point in the game. Toledo's largest lead was two. It's pretty much a dominant game for Bowling Green in some aspects of the game. This kid, Dylan Fry, oh my god, absolutely love him. He is killer on the court. I absolutely love this kid. He can drain it from three and he can also thread the needle. When it comes to it, he's going to be a kid that's going to be playing in the NBA. I have that feeling. He had 34 minutes in the game. He was 6 for 14 from field goal range. He was 7 for 10 from the three throw stripe. He was 3 for 6 from three point range. He had 22 points. He was a leading point getter for the Bully Green Falcons. Justin Turner played 35 minutes. He had 20 points. 7 for 15 from field goal range. 1 for 2 for three point range. Uh, off the bench. Bowling Green leading goal getter was Kolofsky with eight points. 
He was three for four from field goal range, two for three from beyond the arc. As Bowling Green's star players were capitalizing on it. And Powden, of course, 34 minutes, five from eight from field goal range, two for four from three-point range. He had 12 points in the game. Four to little Willie Jackson was four for seven from three goal range, from field goal range. None for three-point arc. He had nine points in the game. Uh, Kanapke, eight from 17 from field goal range, five from six from field three throw strikes, two for six from the three-point mark. He had 23 points in the game. Marion Jackson, 27 points, was the leading points getter for the University of Toledo. He was 7 for 18 for field goal range, 4 for 11 for the three throw from the three-point mark. He had played 37 minutes in the game. Bowling Green was hitting free throws at 69.2%. Toledo, 82.6% in the game. So, Toledo... Fall fell to 11 and 9 overall. Bowling Green continuing the surge. Winners of six straight after that game is now at five straight, 15 and 5 overall Mid American Conference play. Then we get into the rest of the schedule. Yes, uh, last night at the Stroh Center, Bowling Green getting a big 67 to 61 win over Ball State. BG capitalizing on their returns as Trey Diggs hits five of eight from the three-point mark and scores a career-high 25 points in the game. He eight for 12 for free throw range, four for five from free throw stripes. Powden had the leading rebounder, 15 rebounds. Dylan Fry, six assists in the game as BG beats the fighting Cardinals of Ball State, 67 to 61 in the game. BG 22 for 60 from field goal range. Ball State 23 for 66. That's 36.7% to Ball State's third. From three-point mark, BG was 8 for 22, 36.4%. Ball State 5 for 27, 18.5% beyond the three-point mark. BG capitalizing on the three-point area at 79% to Ball State's 50%. And uh, Bowling Green out rebounding Ball State 47 to 42 in the game. The overall box score looked like this for the for the Brown and Orange that improved to 16 to five overall. It was Powden with 36 minutes play. He was two for seven from three three uh, from the field goal mark. 0 for two from three point range. He had seven points in the game. Justin Turner, like I said, seven from 18 from from the field goal mark. Two for six from three point range. From three-point range, he had 20 points in the game for Bowling Green. It was Diggs coming off of the bench, capitalizing for the brown and orange. He played 24 minutes, 8 for 12 from the field goal mark, 5 from 8 from three-point range. He had 25 points off the bench, BG capitalizing on him. For Ball State in the game, Coleman, 29 minutes, 5 for 11 from field goal range, over 2 from three-point mark. He had 11 points in the game. Edmund, 17 points overall, 6 from 14 from field goal range, 1 from 6 for a three-point mark. And uh, Tegan, 18 points, 7 for 17 from field goal marks, 3 for 5 from three-point range. BG improves to 16-5. and five. Ball State now goes to 11-9 overall. Looking at the rest of the slate in the Mid-American Conference, 
uh, Buffalo was a winner 77-74 over Akron. Kent State, a big win against Toledo at Savage Arena, 83-70. And the slipping slope of the Rockets continue, folks. Uh, NIU, a winner 61-59 over the Ohio Bobcats in the game. And... Uh, that was the slate of games from yesterday. Of course, a big game coming up on Friday as Bowling Green travels to Buffalo. A 7 o'clock tip on ESPNU. BG 16-5 overall. Both Buffalo 14-7 overall. Akron will take on Kent State Friday night. 6.30 tip on CBS Sports Network. Akron 16-5 overall. Kent State 15-6 Overall, looking at the standings in the Mid American Conference when it comes to basketball, of course, Bowling Green holding strong in the East at 7 1 overall, 16 and 5, 7 1 in conference play, 16 and 5 overall. Akron 6 and 2 in conference play, 16 and 5 overall as well. Kent State 5 and 3, 15 and 6, 15 and 6 overall. Buffalo 5 and 3 in conference play, 14 and 7 overall as well. Toledo with their lo two losses that they are 3 and 5 in conference play, 11 and 10 overall. Central Michigan holding strong in the first position at 11 and 8 overall, 4 and 2 in conference play. NIU 5 and 3, 12 and 9 overall. So they are in a tie, but we'll see. Ball State with their loss against Bowling Green and fell the four and three in conference play, eleven and nine overall. So BG's got some tests in front of them, of course. Uh, other games Saturday slates, of course. Ohio's at Ball State, one o'clock tip on ESPN three. Central Michigan's at Western Michigan, two o'clock tip. Toledo travels to Ypsilanti to battle the Eastern Michigan Eagles at two o'clock, and Miami of Ohio will battle NIU, four o'clock tip on CBS. Sports Network. Looking at the rest of the college basketball slate going into the going into today, top twenty-five looks like this from last night on the hard court. How about Mike Shashevsky getting it into the fans, the camera crazies? I haven't seen that in Mike Shashevsky in a long time. Going after the fans, yelling at the fans, you know. What is it to say? Duke a 79-67 win over Pitt. Butler a winner 69-64 over Georgetown. Auburn in double overtime beating Mississippi 83-82. Villanova 8th ranked in the country beating St. John's University 79-59. And how about 5th ranked Florida State falling to the University of Virginia 61-56. Rutgers a winner 70-63. 25th ranked in the country beating Purdue. Top 25 looks like this on the hard court going into tonight's play. It looks like this. Baylor, number one ranked in the country. Gonzaga, number two in the country. Uh, Kansas, number three. San Diego State, four. Florida State is fifth right now. Louisville, sixth. Dayton, seventh. Villanova, eighth. Duke is ninth. Seton Hall is tenth. Eleventh is Oregon. West Virginia is twelfth. Kentucky, 13th. Michigan State, 14th. Maryland is 15th ranked in the country. The Butler Bulldogs are 16th ranked. Auburn, 17th. Iowa, 18th. 19th is the Fighting Illini of Illinois. 
20th ranked is Colorado. 21st ranked is Houston. LSU is 22nd ranked in the country. Wichita State is 23rd ranked in the country. Penn State and Rutgers found out the top 25. Games on the slate tonight look like this. It will be 12th ranked West Virginia traveling to Texas Tech University. 7 o'clock tip-off for that one. Uh, on Big Ten Network, it'll be 24th ranked Penn State hosting Indiana. Number one ranked Baylor goes in to Ames to battle the Iowa State Hawkeyes. Fourth ranked San Diego State travels to New Mexico to battle the Lobos there. Louisville, sixth ranked in the country, will take on Boston College. It will be Seton Hall taking on DePaul. Kentucky is at home against Vanderbilt. Michigan State will battle Northwestern. Dayton will battle Dubuque. It'll be Houston in East Carolina. And the Alabama Crimson Tide will travel to 22nd-ranked LSU to battle the Tigers on the hard court right here. As we are honoring Kobe Bryant by talking a little bit of college basketball, we'll dive into the NBA as well. Really briefly, of course, last night the Lakers game was canceled against the Clippers. Uh, no timetable yet for a reschedule for that. And you can tell that the league is, um, you know, the league is hurting because of this. All of, but I, I do like what the players are doing with the uh, 24 second violation and the eight second violation to pay homage. And the crowd would be standing, giving them a standing ovation. Last night on the docket, of course, Charlotte, a winner, 97-92 over the New York Knicks. Philadelphia coming back and beating Golden State, 115-104. Uh, Zion Williamson, his first road game, and Zion's been killing it. His third game this season against the Cavaliers. and The Cavs fall to the Pelicans, 125-111. It was the Toronto Raptors, a 130-114 win. Over Atlanta, Washington, a 131-151 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Memphis, a winner, 104-96 over the Denver Nuggets. Boston, the Celtics, traveled into Miami. Now, there was a lot of media members that went to this game. Boston, a winner, 109-101 over the Miami Heat. The Phoenix Suns, a 133-104 win over the Dallas Mavericks. Tonight on the slate, of course, you have Detroit. In Brooklyn to take on the Nets. That game is on ESPN. I'm watching a little bit of it right now as we're doing the podcast right now. Memphis is in MSG to battle the New York Knicks. Utah is in San Antonio to battle the Spurs. Chicago is in Indiana to battle the Pacers. OKC is in Sacramento to battle the Kings. 10 o'clock tip for that one. The late game on ESPN sees Houston battling Portland tomorrow, Thursday the 30th. A slate of games, six games. Toronto is in Cleveland to battle the Cavs. Charlotte is in Washington to battle the Wizards. Philadelphia is in Atlanta. 7.30 tip-off for that one. The TNT game sees Boston hosting the Golden State Warriors. The late game sees Utah battling Denver. 10.30 tip for that one. Sacramento takes on the Clippers. A 10.30 tip-off. That will be the first game a basketball who played at Staples Center since the passing of Kobe Bryant. The Laker game was canceled, of course, with the Clippers this past Tuesday. So um, the Lakers will get back onto the court, scheduled to get back onto the court on 
Friday, 10 o'clock tip against the Portland Trailblazers at Staples Center. So we are here on Radio Row right here in Miami, Florida for another edition of All Andy Alford. Of course, like I mentioned before, the passing of Kobe Bryant is a lot on our minds right now. But of course, we have to uh, continue to press on to honor Kobe and to continue the legacy that he has of the of the uh, of pushing on and continuing to live our lives and take every day like it's like it's like it's not granted. Make every day count. Make it like it's your last. We'll hit the ice here in just a second, right here on Roll Andy Alfred. Hi, folks. Andy Alfred here, the host of All Andy Alfred, coming to you from Miami, Florida. Here to talk to you about my friends at Dr. Zuhari and Fisher and Moorhart office in the beautiful city of Rossford, Ohio. Dr. Zuhari has been in the game for so long. He has really changed my life and he has really helped make me a better person, not only as a, as a man, but also with my smile. He has fixed my teeth many of times. He has done so much for my family, my entire family, from my, from my mother and my sister to me. He has really helped us out when it comes to dentistry. Whether you need Invisalign, whether you need simple cavity fills, simple cleanings, root canal. He also does Invisalign as well to visit his office in the beautiful city of Rossford, Ohio. And also call his phone number 419-666-3327 or visit his website, Dr. Zuhari Fisher and Moorhart.com, as well as visit them on Facebook as well. And they're hygienists to the T. I love Stacey. She does a fantastic job. Visit Dr. Zuhari and Fisher for all your dental needs. Remember, he has fixed my smile. He can fix yours in half the time. It's time for the Jackets Report. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report. Right here on All Andy Alfred. As we're coming to you from Radio Row at Super Bowl 54 right here on All Andy Alford. While you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in and also on on the Apple Podcast app as well. I forgot to mention that. So thank you for tuning in. It's time to hit the Jackets report. The Jackets are have been off now. The last game was the 20. 20- 2nd of January. Today is the 29th. It's been seven days without Blue Jackets hockey. And I'm telling you, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But since the last time we spoke, the Jackets have been on a winning page. And we also have the All-Star game as well, too. So we're going to talk about that. It's time for the Jackets report right here 
on all Andy Alford. And last at the last time we chatted, of course, was back on the was a few weeks ago with the Jackets, of course. And we're going to do a recap for you right here. Jackets, of course, on the 14th of January, getting a big win over the Boston Bruins, beating the Bruins with Elvis Merlinkus, getting his second shutout, his first home shutout with a big 3-0 win over the Boston Bruins. Then two nights later, they hosted the Carolina Hurricanes, getting a big 3-2 win over the Hurricanes. And then the continuing the winning ways as Merlinkus again getting another shutout, his third shutout, beating the New Jersey Devils by a score of five to nothing. And then, of course, the next night they go to MSG to battle the Rangers. And this was a good game, folks. It did not start off well for the Jackets. It was Sajak getting his seventh of the season from Truba. It was 1-0 Rangers after 20 minutes of play. Nobody scores in the second period. Then Oliver Bjorkstrand coming back from the injured reserve, getting the start, getting his, getting the goal unassisted, tying the game at one apiece at the 6.08 mark of the third period. And then... 1933 mark with less than a half of with less than a minute to go in the game. Bjorkstrand beats beats the goaltender Sheskin from Dubois and Jones. 2-1 Jackets, and that was the final at MSG. The Jackets beat the Rangers and beat Artemi Panarin with their backup goaltender of Mikias Kovenix stopping 31 of 32. His first win, save percentage of a .969. The Jackets get a big 2-1 win over the New York Rangers. Jackets were outshot in the game 32-31 to to the New York Rangers. The Jackets 59% to the Rangers 41%. Both teams over on the power play. The, Jet, the Rangers had two minutes in penalties. They all hit the Jackets in the game 26-24. 15 blocks to 14 in the game. Brookstrand, the number one star. Matias Kavlinkas, Matis Kavlinkas, the number two star. And Igor Sinitsky, the number three star in the game. So the Jackets getting a big win. And continuing the winning streak that was four in a row. Two nights later, on the 22nd, one week ago, they took on the Winnipeg Jets. Three game, were two games on the docket at that night. The Red Wings in the Wild and the Winnipeg Jets in the Blue Jackets. And it did not start well as Appleton getting his second of the season, making it 1-0 in favor of Winnipeg at the 438 mark of the first period before Seth Jones getting his fifth of the season from Felino and Dubois. Tying the game at one apiece, 6.06 mark of the first period. And then Kyle Connor, his his 25th of the season from Sabis and Betro. 2-1 Winnipeg after 20 minutes of pure play. Bjorkstrand, again, continuing the run. Beating Hullabuck. Tying the game at two apiece. A minute 28 to go into the first period before Plunk for Winnipeg. Gets his fifth of the season from Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor on the power play. And it was 
3-2 Winnipeg before Gustav Nyquist, his 11th of the season, tying the game on the power play, 17:55 mark of the second period on the power play from Dubois and Warinsky. It's tied at three, and then in the third period, again, Oliver Bjorkstrand capitalizes, getting his, getting another one, his from Jones, 4-3 Jackets, and that was the final, the final game before this long break. The Jackets winning 4-3 over the Winnipeg Jets. The three stars of the game were Oliver Gerkstrand, the number one star, Pierre Luc Dubois, the number two star, Seth Jones, the number three star of the game. The Jackets were outshot in the game by the Winnipeg Jets, 30-29. On the faceoff dot, Winnipeg 41% to the Jackets, 58%. Jackets one for one on the power play. Winnipeg one for two on the power play. Jackets out hit the Jets in the game, 28-24. They outblocked them, 17 for 14. For Winnipeg in the game, excuse me, Besant was the goaltender for the Jets, not Hellebuck. Stopping 25 of 29 in the game. His save percentage of .862. For the Jackets, it was, of course, Elvis Merlinkus stopping 27 to 30. Save percentage of a point nine point nine zero zero in the game. So the Jackets going went into the break on a five-game winning streak. They got hot at the wrong time, I think. You're going to be off. They were now off the 23rd, 24th, 23rd through the 31st, folks. They don't get back into the ice until the 30th tomorrow. That's over seven days worth of no hockey. Can it be that this team can get back out of the winning horse? And we'll get into the All-Star game here in just a second. Because I have some thoughts about that. Full slate of games on Saturday, an All-Star game. It started off a good slate. Of course, the Metropolitan, the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Central... Good matchups. Of course, the Central, the host city was the St. Louis Blues. In the game Saturday in the Metropolitan Division, lost the first game and were eliminated from the match, from the from the elimination game. They lost 9-5 to to the Atlantic. The Pacific putting up a 10 spot against the Central, winning 10-5 to in the game. So it's at the Atlantic versus the Pacific. The Pacific was down 3-1 after 20 minutes of, of 10 minutes of play in the first period. And then they rallied for four goals in the second period and beat the Atlantic, getting the million-dollar prize and winning 5-4 over the Atlantic division. David Pasternak was named the MVP, which I think it's absolutely wrong. I think Hurdle should have been the MVP at five goals in the in the game. Five goals throughout the tournament. I think he deserved it more than Pasternak. I think it was a favoritism towards Dunkin' Donuts, but I, I'll digress on that. But I think the skills competition was really worth the admission for this weekend, of course. Uh, you had, of course, the fastest skater, and it was uh, the kid from the 
Rain from the Islanders winning it. Barzell. Uh, you had the accurate shooting, of course, which I love. That was a great concept. Um, you also had you had the goal streak, which I loved. Um, you also had excuse me the, the the block streak, excuse me. And then you had the what I liked was my favorite thing of the whole event was the shooting competition that they had. They had a uh, they had it like similar to top top golf if you've ever been to one of those top golf situations. They had targets on the ice and they were shooting the puck over the crowd and to hit the targets and Patrick Kane winning it, beating Mitch Marner from the Leafs. And it was uh, it was a good event. I really like that. I think they should keep that going to next year event, but make it more more interesting in some aspects. Um, I think it would be great for them to great for them to continue moving on with that. Um, my favorite thing, though, I like the three on three elite women competition, as you had the best women hockey players on the ice representing Team USA and Team Canada. Team Canada coming out with the win in the competition, beating the United States 2-1. to one. It's a great game. It really was. Showed off a lot of the talent that is in the women's game. It's coming up and coming strong, and we got the Olympics in a few years. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was very, very impressed by that. It did not turn out great for the ratings as the NHL All-Star Game drew a 2.8 on the scale. That's the lowest it's been in a long time since the lockout era. And, um, yeah, it's because you didn't have a Crosby and Ovechkin, any big names that were in that in it. But I digress. It's another topic for another show. When we get back to back to home base, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But of course, they're back on the ice. And uh, last night, two games: the Ottawa Senators beating the Buffalo Sabers five to two, and the St. Louis Blues were a winner five to four in overtime over the Calgary Flames tonight on the docket. You have the Leafs on the road in Dallas to battle the Stars. Arizona is in Anaheim to battle the Ducks. The late game, those are the late games. Of course, you also have NBCSN doubleheader coverage as the Nashville Predators go into Capital One Arena to battle the Washington Capitals. The late game sees the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the LA Kings. That is the first sporting event to take place at Staples Center since the passing of Kobe Bryant. The late games in the West Coast, other West Coast games look like this. Calgary is in Edmonton. That is a game to watch for tonight. Uh, the Kachucks going back in. The Kachuk going back into Edmonton. Remember two weeks ago when we were on the program, they had that big line brawl between the two teams. It looked like it got all squared away at All-Star game, but we'll see what happens with that. The, the Oilers and the Flames tonight at Rogers Place. 10.30 pucks sees the Vancouver Canucks in San Jose to battle the Sharks. Tomorrow, three games on the docket. NBCSN will see the New Jersey Devils hosting the Nashville Predators. 7 o'clock puck drop sees Montreal in Buffalo to battle the Sabres. The Kings are in Arizona to battle the Coyotes. 
Friday, slate looks like this. A lot of teams get back into it. Vegas is in Carolina to battle the Golden Knights. Boston is in Winnipeg to battle the Jets. The Rangers host the Red Wings. The Flyers are in Pittsburgh to pick on the Penguins. St. Louis is in Edmonton to battle the Blues. Washington in Ottawa to battle the Senators. Tampa Bay is in Dallas in Anaheim to battle the Ducks. The Jackets get back on the ice Saturday, 1 o'clock at First Niagara Center in Buffalo, New York. 1 o'clock puck drop for that one. Sabres and Jackets. The slate looks like this. Other games on Saturday. Vancouver is in New York to battle the Islanders. Ottawa is in Toronto. Hockey night in Canada. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. 2 o'clock sees the Canadians hosting the Florida Panthers. The, the Red Wings are in Little Caesars to battle the Rangers as the home-and-home home continues for them. 8 o'clock puck drop for the Coyotes as they take on the Blackhawks. The Jets are hosting the St. Louis Blues. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. 7 o'clock sees the Dallas Stars at Presidential Center to battle the New Jersey Devils. Colorado is in Philadelphia to battle the Flyers. The late game on CBC sees Edmonton taking on the Flames. Another home and home. Another game that's going to be an interesting one. Boston is in Minnesota. LA is in home to battle the Ducks. And Tampa is in San Jose to battle the Sharks. Looking at the standings going into today's play, this is what it looks like. In the Atlantic Division, it is the Boston Bruins at 29-10-2 with 70 points. The Tampa Bay Lightning are 49, are with 49 games played, are 29-15-5 with 63 points overall. Florida, 28-16-5 with 61 points in the Atlantic Division. Metropolitan Division looks like this. Washington, 34-12-5 with 73 points. They are the best team in the NHL. Pittsburgh, 31-14-5 with 67 points. The Islanders, 29-15-5 with 63 points. The Jackets are holding the first wild card position with them being off at 27, 16-8 with 62 points. Carolina, 29-18-3 with 61 points. On the outside looking in are the Toronto Maple Leafs at 27-17-7 with 61 points. The Flyers, 27-17-6 with 60 points. The Sabres 22, 21, and 7 with 51 points. The Montreal Canadiens 22, 22, and 7 with 51 points. The Rangers 23, 21, and 4 with 50 points. Ottawa is 18, 23, and 9 with 45 points. The Devils are 18, 24, and 7 with 43 points. And the worst team in the NHL still are the Detroit Red Wings at 12, 35, and 4 with 28. Points. Western Conference looks like this. St. Louis holding the top spot. Best team in the Western Conference at 31, 12, and 8 with 70 points. The Colorado Avalanche are in second spot at 28, 15, and 6 with 62 points. The Dallas Stars 18 are 28, 18, and 4 with 60 points. Pacific Division sees all three Western Canadian teams on top with the top spot being the Vancouver Canucks at 28, 18, and 4 with 60 points. Calgary 26, 19 and 6 with 58 points. Edmonton 26, 18 and 5 with 57 points. Those these next few games are huge between the two squads. Wild card looks like this: Arizona holding the top spot at 26, 20 and 5 with 57 points. Vegas 25, 20 and 7 with 57 points as well. On the outside looking in, are the Winnipeg Jets at 25, 22 and 4 with 54 points. 
Chicago, 24, 21, and 6 with 54 points as well. Nashville, 23, 19, and 7 with 53 points. The Minnesota Wilder, 23, 21, and 6 with 52 points. San Jose, 22, 25, and 4 with 48 points. The Anaheim Ducks are 19, 25, and 5 with 43 points. And the LA Kings are 18, 27, and 5 with 41 points. And that is the NHL and the Jackets recap right here on Super Bowl Sunday. The Super Bowl media preview right here as we are live in Miami on Radio Row right here on All Andy Alfred. You're listening to us on the plethora of platforms, whether it comes to uh, the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. We continue doing all ADL for from Radio Row as we continue. And we'll now talk about some ECHL hockey before we talk about why we're here. So talking about hockey, of course, continuing here in Miami on Radio Row right here for Super Bowl 54 between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll continue to talk about some hockey right here as we'll talk about the premier double-A hockey league in the ECHL. The ECHL having their all-star game on the 22nd of January as it was Team Bolts versus uh, and Team Hammers versus the Eastern and Western Conference. And the Eastern Conference winning the tournament overall. Game one saw Team Bolts beating Western the Western Conference 3-2. The Eastern Conference getting the second win against over Team Hammers 6-1. Then Eastern Conference beating Team Bolts 3-1. And Team Hammer beating the Western Conference 5-2. And then the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference battled each other out to a 2-1 win. And then Team Bolts versus Team Hammers ended in a 2-2 draw before Team Hammers winning in a shootout in the game. And then... It was Team Hammers battling the Western Conference. The Western Conference were winning 13 to 9. And then in the Western Conference, then the semifinals saw the Eastern Conference and Team Bolts ending in a 12-12 draw. The Eastern Conference winning. So it fed up the Western versus the Eastern again. And the Eastern Conference prevails. Beating the West 4-3 and continuing. Their dominance two years in a row in the ECHL All-Star game. Then we get back into we went back into league play that Friday, of course, and the Cincinnati Cyclones. We talk about both the Cyclones and the Toledo Walleye right here on All Andy Alford. We'll start with the Cyclones first. They travel to Wheeling, West Virginia to battle the Nailers. And a great game that saw both teams duking it out. It was Brown starting the scoring for the Nailers at the 11.54 mark of the first period. His 10th of the season for Murad and Abbott. A, a bit, excuse me. It was 1-0 Nailers. And then Hawkins, his 14th of the season from Yarrow and Brown, making it 2-0 Nailers before Cincinnati turned on the heat. And Jelly, his 8th of the season from Goslin and Milan on the power play. It was 2-1 Nailers. At the 9.53 mark of the third period. And then Mitchell, his 12th of the season for McGowan and Bison, 15.06 mark of the third period, tying the game overall. And then in overtime, from the assist from Ben Johnson, Flora, his fourth of the season, beating Ruby 
between the pipes and the Cyclones come from behind and win 3-2 at West Banco Arena in the heart of, in, on the banks of the Ohio River. The Cyclones outshot the Nailers in the game 36-22. They were 1-for-4 in the power play, Wheeling 0-for-3 in the power play. Ruby, the loss, he stopped 33 of 36 in the game. Michael Hauser, the win, he stopped 19 of 21 in the game. So the Cyclones, a big win for them. The Walleye, on the other hand, had a big three-game homestand. that started off with a game against the Atlanta Gladiators. The one appearance for the Gladiators this season. Toledo's Kyle Bonus starting off the scoring not even 30 seconds into the game. Actually, 30 seconds into the game. His fifth from Trudick and Hensick. one nothing Fish. And then it was our scene from Callaway and Soline. The 13.09 mark of the first period. It was 1-1 in favor of the Gladiators. And then Conway, his 12th of the season from Nesbitt and Hall making it 2-1 in favor of the Gladiators. And that's what it led up to until the third period, until Josh Kessner, his 19th of the season, from Shane Birchback and Hillman, making it 2-2. Going into overtime, both teams do not score in overtime. The, the walleye go onto the ice, go to the shootout. It was Troy Lockett starting the, started off. He capitalized past the goal letter. Now Conway missed on the, his attempt. Buzzio misses on his attempt. Asin misses his, but Josh Winquist puts the dagger and twists it on the Gladiators. And the Walleye getting a big win at home, beating the Gladiators by a score of 3-2. The Walleye out shooting the Gladiators in the game, 46-24 in the game. Both teams 0-1 on the power play. Kostopoulos stopping 22-24. of 24. In the game, Nell stopping 43 of 45. The Bowling Green, former Bowling Green State University Falcon product, gets the loss in the game. So the Walleye getting a big win at home Saturday night. Saw the Cyclones continuing their road trip. Also in West Banco Arena, they took on the Nailers, and the Nailers getting the better of the Cyclones in this one by a score of four to one. The Goslin was the only goal scorer for the Cyclones of the game from Milan and Angeli. On the power play, but it was all power play goals for the Nailers. Brown from Hawkins and Olero, not his seventh. Kim, his first. And then Butcher with the empty netter. It was 4-1 was the final at West Banco Arena. The Cyclones out, did outshoot the Nailers in the game 29-27. Wheeling 3-for-5 on the power play. Uh, Cincinnati 1-for-3. Lucan in the loss. He got stopped 23 of 26 in the game. Olero the win. He stopped 28 of 29 in the game. The Fish continued their homestand as well. They took on the Fort Wayne Comets in a big series at Huntington Center. And the Fish getting a big 4-3 win over the Comets. It all started off with Gerducus, his 11th of the season from Acosta and Loggins before Fort Wayne's Perzini hitting his ninth from Doherty and Jones. It was 1-1 in favor of both teams before Josh Winquist from Shane Bershak and Josh Kessner making it a 2-1 lead in favor of the Fish before Perzini getting a shorthanded tally beating Christopoulos his 10th of the season. It was 2-2 after 20 minutes and that stayed that way after 40 minutes before Toledo's Josh Kessner getting his 20th of the season from Shane Bershak 
and Josh Wingchrist making it 3-2 in favor of the Fish. Gerduckis putting the capitalization on the game. His 12th of the season from Hillman and Loggins. They make it 4-2 in favor of the Fish. And then Prezzini late in the game. His 11th from Jones and McKenzie on the power play. Making it 4-3 in favor of the Fish. And that was the final as Kersopla stopping 26 of 29 in the game. Munson stopping 28 of 32 as the Fish beat the Cyclone, beat the uh, Comets by a score of 20, uh, uh, 4-3. The Walleye outshot the Comets in the game 32-29. Fort Wayne 1-4 for four on the power play. Toledo 0-4. Oh, for four. So then we get to Sunday. The final Cincinnati done playing for the weekend. Toledo playing Fort Wayne. The final game of the homestand. One of the final games of the homestand. And Fort Wayne put up a huge fight in this game. Huge fight in this game. They were swinging strong in this one. They were pushing. Josh Winchrist is ninth of the season from Kessner and Loggins. It was 1-0 Fish, 5.56 into the first period. Excuse me, into the second period. No scoring in the in the first period by itself. Fort Wayne's the Christian from McKenzie and Solowski on the power play, tying the game at one apiece after 40 minutes of play. Kessner, his 21st of the season from Mike Moffitt and Shane Birchback, making 2-1 in favor of the Fish. And then Perzini getting his 12th of the season from A.J. Jenks and Haas, tying the game at two apiece, going into overtime. Both teams did not score in the overtime. We went to a shootout. All three attempts for the Comets all failed. Loggins misses. Moffitt connects. Hensick misses. The Fish sweep the homes, sweep the weekend, beating Fort Wayne twice, beating Atlanta. With a 3-2 win over the Comets. Uh, Gerduckis, the win. He stopped 42 of 44 in the game. Keller, the loss. Stopping 45 of 47 in the game. Fort Wayne, 1 for 2 on the power play. Toledo 0 for 5. Toledo outshot Fort Wayne in the game. 48 to 44. So looking at the rest of the rest of the week for you guys right here. On all Andy Alford, of course. Tonight on the docket, you have Cincinnati at home against Orlando tonight. The game's going to be ready to start here in just a little bit. Fort Wayne is in Florida to battle the Everblades. Greenville is at home against South Carolina. Atlanta's at home against Utah. The Nailers are in home against Norfolk. And Maine travels to Anirondack to battle the Mariners. Thursday's slate looks like this. Fort Wayne is in Jacksonville to battle the Icemen. Kalamazoo is in Indianapolis to battle the Fuel. Tulsa is in Allen to battle the Americans. The next game for the Walleye will be this upcoming Friday night. They will take on the Kalamazoo Wings. 7-15 puck draw for that one. Cincinnati welcomes in to Heritage Bank Arena the Indy Fuel for a game. 735 puck drop for that one. And then the big one, of course, like I may mention before, Toledo goes to Indianapolis that sat Saturday afternoon. 605 puck drop for that one. As they'll take on the Indy Fuels, it will be Cincinnati hosting the Kalamazoo Wings. 735 puck drop for that one. Of course, 
nobody playing one game on Sun on um, on uh, Sun Super Bowl Sunday in Atlanta and Greenville. Tuesday, the fourth of February, see Cincinnati travel to Indianapolis. Seven oh five puck drop for that one. The big one is this next weekend, of course, February seventh, eighth, and ninth is a three game home stands between the two best teams I think in the in the Central Division. You have the Cincinnati Cyclones battling the Toledo Walleye. It all starts Friday night at Heritage Bank Center on the banks of the Ohio River. A big game. Cyclones and Walleye. Then they will come up I-75 to the Huntington Center for two big games. Saturday the 8th and Sunday the 9th. Get your tickets for this one. This one is one that you won't want to miss because these two teams, it could be a preview of the Central Division Final between the two teams. Looking at the standings going in to tonight's play, Cincinnati holding strong at the top spot at 27-11-6 with 60 points. Toledo 24-12, 3-1 with 52 points. Fort Wayne is in third place at 20-15-5 and 2 with 47 points. Indianapolis is 21-18, 1-1 with 44 points. Wheeling 19-18-5 with 43 points. Kalamazoo 15-20-4 and 1 with 35 points points overall. The best team in the league is the Allen Americans and the South Carolina Stingrays. They both have 68 points. South Carolina 32-7-3-1 and and one with 68 points. Allen is 38-6-2 and six and two with 68 points as well. So if you look at it league-wise, if you're looking at league-wise overall, South Carolina 1, Allen 2, Newfoundland is 3 with 61 points, Cincinnati is 4th, Florida is 5th, Utah is 6th, uh, uh, Idaho is 7th, Brampton is 8th, Toledo is 9th, and Reading is 10th. The worst team in the league, the Norfolk Admirals at 11, 28, and 5 with 27 points overall. As you're listening to All In The Offer tonight right here on Radio Row in Miami, Florida, right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now, let's talk about why we're here. Let's talk about Super Bowl 54. So this upcoming Sunday, live Super Bowl LIV 54, right here on... Fox on the Fox Network. It'll be the 13-3 San Francisco 49ers, led by Jimmy Garoppolo, taking on the 12-4 Kansas City Chiefs, led by quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Big game for this one. It really is. It really is. Um... For me, this is a game where it's going to be very, very interesting to call. It's really a toss-up. Uh, the bookmakers have Kansas City at a point and a half in this game. Uh, it really is a toss-up for me between these two teams. If I had a rooting interest in both of them, you know, I would. This is a very, very close matchup. I give the little bit of the edge to Kansas City, in my opinion. But if you look at it overall, season stats look like this. Patrick Mahomes, 319 out of four, 
out of 319 completions out of 484 attempts, 4,031 total yards, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions in the game. Jimmy Garoppolo has attempted and completed 329 out of 476 attempts for 3,978 total yards, 27 touchdowns. He has thrown three interceptions in in this season. Williams for Kansas City, 11 carries, 498 yards this season, five TDs in the game. For San Francisco, it's Muster. 1,337 carries, 772 total yards, 8 TDs in the game. The tight end run is where I think is where Kansas City is going to have all of their production. Kittle for San Francisco, 85 receptions, 153 total yards, 5 TDs in the game. But Kansas City has Travis Kelsey, who's 97 receptions, 1,229 yards, and 5 TDs in the game says a lot. Absolutely says a lot. Um, notable notes, of course, uh, in, on the injury report, a lot of three players that are questionable for San Francisco. No questionable players, no injuries for Kansas City. Uh, Terry Coleman, running back, is questionable for this game. Kayvon Alexander is questionable for this game. So is so is Jarkiris Tart, the safety, as well. If you look at the overall stats for this game, Kansas City averages about 28.2 points a game. San Francisco averages about 29.9% of the game. But they only allow, San Francisco only allows 15 points a game. That shows you how good their defense is. Kansas City allows 27.5 points per game. So that's about average of what San Francisco is. 395, 396 total yards is what the... Uh, Niners usually average in the game. Uh, the Chiefs average about 391 total yards that they allow that they gain, but they allow 402 yards for Kansas City, 290 for San Francisco in the game. If you look at it, the last loss for the Niners was on the 15th of December as they lost the Falcons 29 to 22, and Kansas City had their big run. Beating Denver, beating the Bears, beating the Chargers, and then beating Houston, beating Tennessee, getting to where they're at now. Three big tests for the Niners. Of course, they beat the Seahawks at the 12th man, had a bye. Battle Minnesota beat them handily, and then beat Green Bay at home. estimated about it's going to be warm it's going to be about 70 degrees at kickoff 630 kickoff on Fox it will be interesting to see how it happens and I bet you're wondering what my prediction is going to be it'll be a team that wears red no 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 I'm just joking for me, it's going to be interesting because these two teams are so evenly matched on every aspect of things. Um, Garoppolo has a lot to prove after being in the in the back step of Tom Brady for so many years. Patrick Mahomes was close last year. They didn't make it over the hump because they lost in overtime to the to the to the Patriots. I think this year is going to be interesting. 
I think it's going to be defense that wins it for them. And if anything, if anything, they give the defensive edge to San Francisco in this game. Because I think they can go and disrupt Patrick Mahomes. I really think they could. Will that turn into them not capitalizing on points? Let's just see what happens. But for me today, with a spread of a point and a half on this, the 29th of January, I will take the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 54. I think it will be a close game. I think three points is what it will be. I really, really do. I think Kansas City will win either by three or by seven. You'll hear Nick, the Money Man's Devero's predictions, and we could be changed. I could be changing my predictions, but for right now, on this the 29th, I'm taking Kansas City by three against the 49ers. As you're listening to All Andy Alford live from Radio Row right here in Miami, Florida, on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And we have hit the end of our program, and it's now time for Andy Rants. And it's now time for Andy Rants, and I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast tonight right here on the Anchor Network. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? We have one more podcast coming to you right here from Radio Row in Miami, Florida tomorrow as Andy and Money will be live from Radio Row right here on on Miami Beach for Super Bowl 54. Of course, the big story, of course, this past week was the death of Kobe Bryant. Uh, you heard earlier about my um, my take on the uh, on this man. He is truly a legend. It's truly an honor. It's truly a pleasure to be able to watch him become what he is and what he was and um, you know it is with a heavy heart that we lost a legend with him and um, our thoughts and prayers are with him and Vanessa and the whole entire Bryant family for the loss of not only Kobe but the daughter Gigi as well Um, you take every day and make every day precious don't take it for granted. We found out, out what happened on, on Sunday. This man it was a healthy man, a great man, a, a passionate an ambassador to the basketball that we lost to a, a horrible, tragic incident. And um, remember, we're not just thinking about Kobe and his daughter, but we're also thinking about the others that passed away as well, too. We can't forget about those guys, people, too. Um, They mean as much as all human life is precious to us, no matter what the situation is. And I know that a basketball star and his daughter passing away is the main story about it, but... We can't forget about the other people that passed away, too. We have to celebrate their lives as much as we would celebrate Kobe's and Gigi's. We can't just focus in on the one big star that was on there. 
because every person matters in this world, no matter what you do. If you're a garbage man, if you're, if you're a CEO of a company, or if you're a nurse, or if you're a factory worker, you matter because you have a place in this world. You're a part of this universe, and you're a part of something that we call Mother Earth. So don't take everything for granted. Live every day like it's your last. Because you never know when the number's going to get pulled. And you never know when you're going to be the last. When, when your number is last. What's that for you? The fact that the NHL... And I'll, my next step into the Andy Rance is this. With the ratings so low this past year in the NHL All-Star Game, it has to be the consideration of what do we need to do to improve it. We're seeing a lot of improvements when it comes to the, the minor league All-Star Games with everything taking place under one night. I think the league should consider that. Uh, save time, same hassle. And most people watch it for the skills competition than they watch the game itself. The game has gotten boring, inconsistent, and not great. And the fact that Gary Bettman wants to continue this is an absolute travesty. It really is. Absolutely it is. So we need to restructure it and make it better when it comes to that. Number three, Nicholas Castiano signing with the Reds, in my opinion, makes the Reds now the second best team in the National League Central. This is a big piece that moves from the north side of Chicago to the banks of the Ohio River. But it also makes a fear that Joey Votto and crew are going to be separated soon enough. Sure, Nick has, was great as a Cub, but I saw him with the Tigers. I don't think he's going to be a good fit in Cincinnati. He reminds me more of like a Mike Hessman. He strikes out more than he makes contact. And he gets lost in the outfield. And how short the, short the outfield is in Great America Ballpark is telling something, folks. It's kind of scary to see that Nick Castellanos is going to be a red this upcoming season. But we'll see what happens. I want to thank the Anchor Network for allowing us to be here on this Super Bowl 54 preview day, of course. Um, like I said, tomorrow we will be back on the air with Nick the Money Man DeVero for a special edition of Andy and Money right here. On the Anchor Network from Radio Row right here. And um, it's truly a pleasure to have you guys. So until I talk to you tomorrow, this is Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Remember to keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you were for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Go Walleye and go Clones! Go Falcons! Go Tigers and go Reds!
And go Chiefs. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great night, everybody. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow live from Miami, Florida, right here on the Anchor Network. Love you. I'm safe, and I'm on my way. Talk to you guys then.